Hey everyone, welcome back to the 7 Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Jessup Warnock, the Director of Marketing here at 7 Figure Flipping. On today's podcast, we have an amazing one-hour call from the brand new Profit Pilots Program. What is the Profit Pilots Program? It's one of Bill Allen's newest ventures. It's for entrepreneurs and business owners to join a weekly mentoring group that shows you how to keep more profit and scale your revenue with just a few small tweaks. If you're interested in the Profit Pilots Program, the link is in the description. You're going to want to check it out quick, though, because the price goes up on Monday. So, Here's a little bit of a sample. In this call, Bill goes over some powerful mindset shifts around money, specifically regarding business versus personal finance. There's some incredible tips laid out all through this episode. You don't want to miss it. If you're interested in this program, the link is in the description. That's enough for me. Here's Bill Allen. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. The first thing I want to do is say, I've spent like, I've spent a lot of time and uh, a lot of effort over the last like, six or seven years of training people how to build their business, like build the financial side of their business. Beth, I know you've come to to our Hero's Journey event, and some of you guys have been to some of our other big events uh, in real estate. And I've I've found that I've, I've helped people make a lot of money, like a lot of money inside their business. But what I'm really passionate about now is showing them how to like keep it. Like how do you pull money out of your business so you're financially well off, not just the company? So our companies get big, they do millions of dollars. But what I found is, is I've done a really good job of being able to suck money out of my company and and me be wealthy. So like I might have a partner in a business or I might have, um, my business might do a couple million dollars in a year. I net a million dollars in the company. I'll be like, where is it? Like, where's the money? And I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs fall in that realm. Um, and, and so I've, I've worked on kind of a framework of why I think I do a good job of this and why other people don't. So I've been studying for the past couple of years Uh, inside of our mastermind groups, the real estate mastermind groups is why do people always broke? Like I'm raising money for a multifamily investment right now. And I'll hit people up that I know they make a million dollars in a year, but they don't have any money. And so I want to talk a little bit about this and hopefully it shifts your mindset a little bit about um, potentially where your money's going and where it's stuck and where it's kind of like frozen. So most of these businesses, like small businesses that are failing are due to kind of cash flow issues, money management, things like that. So a lot of what, why we're doing this, Blaze and me, are we're, I really want to figure out how to, how to train about money management and money movement and your mindset on money in, in your personal life and your business. And so that's a lot of what we're doing over like every, all these calls, all the trainings that we're doing and other people. We, we had Eric Weaver come on a call last week and we gave him his kind of analysis of what he's going to do. And a lot of that falls into this. And every month we're going to, we're going to do one of these calls with somebody else that can win it. It's I'm having a lot of fun and I hope you guys are getting a lot from this. So um, inside of this, like my first business, when I started, I was, I was flying airplanes and helicopters for the Navy. My first company was blackjack real estate is a house flipping and wholesaling business in Pensacola, Florida. I was actually like flipping houses first. Uh, first I was a landlord. I was like buying rentals and I ran out of cash. And then I, I had a realtor that said, you know, if you flip this house, you can make some money. I ended up making $45,000, like half of my salary. And I did that one year. The next year I did it again. I made $43,000 on my first house in Pensacola. And then I started building a company. 
And we got to the point where we did almost $700,000 the first year. I did 67 transactions in about eight months. And the next year we did 135 deals, about 1.3 million. And then we did 2.3 million the next year in top line kind of gross profits. And it just kind of grew. And that, but that, by the way, that's not like realtor fees. It's not like a realtor saying they did, you know, $3 million in transactions. This was like, you know, 10, $20 million in transactions and about 1.3 and 2.3 in like gross sales and wholesale fees and profits from a flip. So pretty good business. I was making somewhere between the first year when I was doing, we did 670,000 that first year. I probably made like 450 or 500 myself. It was a big profit and I'd never made that much money in my life. And then the next year it was like 1.3 million and uh, my nets were going down a little bit because I was building out a team and a staff. And so I probably made five or 600,000 that year too. And then went to 2.3, I actually made the least amount of money. I was making like 350, 400, but I had some other ventures that I was doing and I wasn't working at all. So when I was building this business, I had a full-time W-2 job. So I was flying airplanes for the Navy and I was making like 120 grand a year for the Navy. And so I didn't need any money. Like all my, all my, um, all my bills were paid. Uh, I wasn't like, I wasn't like increasing my cost of living. I was just doing my thing, making 120 grand. I didn't need any extra money. I was actually saving like 60% of my income. Uh, I was driving around like a Volkswagen Jetta, uh, like old, old car, didn't spend a lot, just kind of like, I wasn't, there was nothing fancy about my life. And so what I did was I just dumped all that money back in the business. Like a lot of people do in the beginning, they say, Hey, I'm, I'm putting money back into my business. And so the difference of what I did versus what other people do is most of you, and I don't know if all of you are, but most people that I see, they just dump money back in their business. So they don't actually track how much they're putting back in their business and how much they should be paying themselves. So I actually, on paper, I paid myself $145,000 a year. When I started my business, I paid myself like I was the CEO of the company that was started to do deals. So when we started seeing revenue, I was like, you know what? I want to put money in a 401k. And to do that, I've got to pay myself a pretty hefty salary. So whether, whether you put it on like W-2 income or it's a distribution or it's something, I would just say pay yourself. And so we talked about this with Eric Weaver on his call last week. He was, he's not paying himself enough money to replace himself if he ever wanted to leave the business. So if you pay yourself 20 or 30 or $40,000 a year, but it's going to cost you $80,000 to replace yourself, you're doing your company a disservice by really separating you and the company. So I paid myself $145,000, but I didn't actually pay myself. So on paper, we were running W-2 income, but I didn't actually pull the money out of the business. I just kept it in the company. And so I did this for a year and a half. And after a year and a half, so I was, again, I had a W-2 job. I didn't need to pull money out of the business. So for a year and a half, I put $145,000 of salary back into the company. I still had to pay taxes on it, but I was filling up my 401k. I had a company match that was a tax deduction that I was matching. And after a year and a half, we got to the point where I had built the company up to the point that I wanted it to, to be, and I was able to plateau. So what I like to do is I like to grow and then stabilize grow, and then stabilize. And during this first point of stabilization, I pulled all like $220,000 out of the company. So I was able to distribute all the money. So on, on my books, on my QuickBooks, it said my W-2 income, like the company owed me $210,000 for my salary for a year and a half. Do you see the difference there? Where most people are like, I'm just dumping it back in the company. And then a year and a half or two years pass, and they're like, where's all the money? There's money in an operating account. There's money in a business. There's money in projects. 
there might be money in inventory if you have, I, I, you guys are all different businesses. So it, uh, Patrick just mentioned a flooring company. Me and my flooring company, I'm, I'm building out a, a space. I'm buying inventory. I have all these things like a grocery store is full of stuff on the shelves, but I, that's where the money is, right? And then it's constantly dumping money back into the business to grow it. So I knew that I, I could pay myself $210,000. So I just distributed. One, one day, I just said, hey, we got $350,000 in the operating account today. It's just sold a flip. I'm taking $210,000 and I'm putting it in my bank account. It's mine. And that's the day I remember becoming wealthy. Like I remember, I was like, holy crap. Like I've never had $210,000 in my bank account before ever. My personal bank account. And it changed everything in me and the way that I feel. What I did then was I went and bought life insurance policies. I went and bought a whole life paid up addition policy for me and my wife, $5 million each. And then I, that I could borrow back against. So I lost some of the, the usability of that money. I, I tied up about 10 or 15% of that money, but I was able to then lend it back to myself and do whatever I want with it. But it's in my bank account now, $210,000 in my bank account. And then I started paying myself my salary every single month. Every two weeks I'd get paid, I get a check for my salary. And now I was $145,000 CEO that had to run the company and make more than my salary to make sure that I, I wasn't like turning my salary on and off. Like from that day on, my salary is 145 grand and I was gonna have to go out there and make sure that I ran the company as a CEO that could pay the CEO and all the other staff and things like that and be profitable. So this is the first step that I took in really separating me from my business. And anytime my business needed money from then on, I wrote a loan to the company. So I might loan the company $50,000 to have rehab funds for a deal. I might loan the company $100,000 for, a, for me, it was rehab projects and things like that. For your business, Sarah, you guys are like coffee company. Like you guys probably aren't paying yourself very much money. You're dumping it all back in for inventory and growth and, and, and hard costs like hardware like roasters and things like that, bags, like you were constantly just putting it back in and not paying ourselves. My challenge to all of you is to take that money and put it on the books, like put it actually on the books. Like Sarah, you and your husband, like, hey, we want to pay ourselves $40,000 each per month or, or per year. So we got $80,000 a year that we have to figure out. And at the end of the year, you got, you got to put that money against that. At some point, maybe you're taking out 10 or you're taking out 20. Or you're taking out some money that goes towards you and you're basically the company is paying off the debt that it owes to the people that are working right now for free. You're working for free. And it's a mindset shift that needs to happen for us. And so what happened was I pull out $210,000 and I'm like, okay, I now I can take this and I got options, right? I can intentionally dump it, put it back in the company to grow it. I can invest it for myself. And I'm not going to go waste it on random consumer spending. That's the worst thing that, that, and I don't think anybody here is going to do that, right? But the, these are, the, these are what the, the options that most people have. Go buy something, right? Go on a vacation, go do those kind of things. I'm always trying to figure out how to, how to make that money grow. And so, so that was like step one for me is that's, that's how I was able to scale fast is I was able to put, put money back in the company because I, I had a full-time income and you guys might be full-time in your business. So you're gonna have to figure out how you live off of money and are able to grow and scale the company based on sales, marketing, uh, operations, those kind of things. And, and then I was able to then take it and, and invest it back in the business, which I did. I did that quite, a, quite, quite frequently. However, here is the big aha that I've had recently that is, is really what I wanna share with you guys today. And I taught this at our mastermind in Mexico to our uh, mastermind members. 
Uh, these are folks that pay like between $15,000 and $40,000 a year to be with us. And I talked about the difference in mindset around money and where it is. So let's think about this. Um, I am going uh, on Sunday, I'm flying to uh, South Africa. I'm going on safari in South Africa with some of our high-level clients. And, um, and I'm flying first class. So I'm flying first class to South Africa, right? It's a really, me and my wife are both going, flying first class. And I look, this trip is a business expense, right? You guys have these? Like it's a business expense. I'm going on a trip or uh, like Beth, you're coming down here for the event that we did in uh, the Hero's Journey event. And you get to the airport and you're flying for business and you got a business, you got a company and in your pocket, in your wallet, just like mine, I don't have my wallet on me, but you have two credit cards. You got the American Express Platinum business credit card that you know costs, yeah, I don't know, six or $700 a year in annual fees and you don't care because it's a business expense. But you, you have that card and then you have like the little junky Capital One cashback rewards card. That's your personal card. That's, that's what's in my wallet, okay? Those are the two cards that are in my wallet. One has my name on it. One has the business name on it. And when I go to the airport for a business trip, like Beth, you're coming to the airport and they say, hey, would you like to upgrade for first class? It's $150 extra for this one leg. And it's a business trip. And you're like, oh, you know what? Like, hmm, 150 bucks, it's a business expense. That's just like one more dog that I have to wash or that's just one more flooring sale that I have to make or those kind of things. And you're like, okay, yeah, I would like to upgrade to first class. And you hand them the big, thick American Express Platinum card that's gonna be a write-off because it's a write-off, right? And you're like, oh, okay, it's $150, not that big of a deal, okay? And then you're, you got your first class ticket and you're on the way and you go like, oh, you know, I'm kind of thirsty, I might get a bottle of water at Starbucks and I want a coffee and I want a snack or something like that. And then you're, you're putting the credit card down. You're like, oh, it's a business expense. Don't worry about it, right? It's, an, it's $40, no big deal. Like 40 bucks, write it off. It's a business trip. And then, you, you know, at, while you're here, you might have dinner with a couple people and you're like, you know what? I really want to make them feel good. So I'm going to pay for dinner. There's three people. It's really nice. It's a business expense given the American Express card. You do the whole event. You go home. On the way home, same thing. Hey, first class upgrade. It's only 100 bucks this time. And you're like, oh, it's a business expense. I'll put it on. All write-offs, right? We're just thinking about it like that. And it's a little bit easy to hand that credit card over, right? But let me ask you this. And, and so before I go on, does anybody feel like they've done this before on wh wherever they're shopping or it's a little bit loose when it comes to the American Express Platinum business card? Do you guys feel like that? Okay, I got some thumbs up. I got some people shaking their head. I got some people not. This is true. Like this is absolutely true. And the reason why I got to this realization of how I, what I did and how I did it is because I was doing it. Like I'm, it's just, it just is. And I do, I am very careful with, I feel like I'm very careful with my spending, but like I, I feel like even ashamed to say this, but I have a computer right behind me that I bought on December 31st of last year. And I just realized it's May, like it's like May 20th or something. What is it? May 18th. It's in the box. The computer is in the box because I'm too lazy to, to open it up and set it up and get it, get it all the information that's on this computer that I'm on right now, downloaded that one because it's gonna be faster. But I bought it as a write-off at the end of the year because it was December 31st and I was like, I'm, I need a new computer and I just haven't set it up yet. And so <laughs> Alex said, I feel attacked. I did, I've done the same thing. So, so that's the ease at which the American Express Platinum card comes out. And, and, and it can make a decision that way. Uh, you, don't, you can't see it, but behind Blaze, there's a lot of TVs that we bought on a Black Friday sale that are behind him that are not set up that I want to make a giant TV wall inside the office and set up the big 75 inch TVs in the church 
and take down the other ones so we can see everybody on Zoom and do all the stuff that we do in our virtual events. That, that right there is exactly what I'm talking about. The American Express Platinum Card bought those TVs in November of last year for a write-off and they were great deals. I bet right now we could buy the same TV for possibly less than it was on Black Friday just because it's a later model. So this is the, this is the mindset that comes out with this. Now, okay. Now let's say Beth is in the airport and she is flying for a trip to her family for a wedding. And they say, oh, Beth, we have a first class upgrade for $150. And she's flying personally and she pulls out her Capital One card, the thin one, that is going to come out of her checking account, is going to be a bill that she has to pay personally, that is not a write-off. And maybe she figured out how to make it a write-off. If you were good, you would. But it's your money and you're putting it down. Are you going to buy the same $150 upgrade as easily and quickly as you would with the American Express Platinum business card? Right? No. She's shaking her head. No, I don't. And so then she's going to the Starbucks and she's like, oh, you know what? Like this water is $350. Like $350 for a bottle of water? Like I brought my own or there's a water fountain right over there. Like I always like bring my own water bottle in my backpack to fill it up. And, and then it's like, oh no, like we're going out to dinner. It's like, ah, you know, I'm, this is gonna be like $150 meal for these three people. Like, I think we can go Dutch tonight, right? So I'm using my personal card. It's coming off my personal card. And there's not one more sale on this trip. There's not one more thing that I'm hoping for and thinking I'm gonna get. There's not one more of these things. Cause she's like, you know what? I gotta wash a lot of dogs to pay me money to pay this $150 bill. It's not a $150 dog wash for the business. It's actually to get $150 out of the business with my net profit of a 20% or 25% net profit, that's a lot of dogs to pay for this $150 thing. And I haven't really paid myself in two months. So like, that's the difference. Do you guys see the difference here of how easy it is to use these things? Okay, now follow me. The credit card is the easiest way for us to think about this. Now follow me in the same direction is the business bank account. The business bank account is the absolute same exact thing. The business bank account pays off the credit cards and the business bank account, if you can get that money from the business account to your personal account. So that $210,000 that I made that magic transfer that day in like 2018, I paid 2018 or 2017, I transferred $210,000 to my personal bank account and I feel way different when it's got my name on it than when it's got Blackjack Real Estate's name on it. Like that's my money. Like, oh, like that's my cash. Nobody take it. It's not business money. Even though I own the business 100%, now it's in my bank account and now I treat it differently. There's like, this is, this is, my, this is my money. This isn't company money. So now if, you, if I want to invest it back in the business, you know how easy it is to invest back in your business when it's sitting in the operating account and it's going to the same place from operating account back? Okay, it's just sitting there. Like, oh, I buy another house or I buy some more inventory or I buy this thing. And when you have to stroke the check personally to be like, okay, we're going to double our marketing this month or we're going to really ramp up our Facebook ads and you're writing the check personally instead of the business writing the check, you think about things very different and you treat things differently. And you make better decisions. You, make, you don't make these emotional decisions of just, hey, it's one more sale of flooring. It's one more house. It's one more bag of coffee. It's one more dog groomer. 
getting one more dog wash, one more loan. It's a little bit more interest and one more rental property. Like, it's like, no, like this, this, this money was hard to come by. Like, I'm not going to make this, I'm, I'm going to take this decision a little differently. So this is the mindset shift that I made. And honestly, the big wake up that I've had recently is I'm spending a lot of time right now and money growing like video, social media, like the stuff that I'm doing. And I'm paying people personally for stuff. I'm buying coaching programs for YouTube personally. Like I joined a $15,000 YouTube training program and I wrote the check for that with my money. It wasn't, comp- the company wasn't investing in that. That's for me and my brand personally. I, I thought about, like I underwrote that, that training program really, really tight. I was like, man, it's $15,000. Like this is, this is my personal money. And it just was different, even though it's a write-off, even though I can write all that stuff off and I've got it all figured, it's it just, it feels different. And so what I want you to do when, when you guys look at that, what I want you to do is I want you to start thinking about how, how you get your money from your business into your personal account. Okay, so that's step one is how do I get this money from my business over to my personal account while still hitting the goals and the metrics and things like that that I have for the business. And this is how we become wealthy. This is how we build a financial fortress of money. And then we can figure out my three steps that I love. Am I, I need to invest back in myself. So whether that's training program, it's coaching, it's uh, mastermind, it's something like that, personal development, that's really going to allow me to elevate myself as an entrepreneur. So that's number one that I look for. Number two is, can I invest back in my business? What's the return that I'm going to get if I invest back in my business? So what's the return if I invest back in myself? What's the return if I invest back in my business? And then what's the return number three, if I invest in some asset that is spitting off passive income for me while I sleep. So this is where I put my money. So now I I take, so the way I do it, let's use an example. If I've got, if I've got a company seven figure flipping, right? And let's just say we made, we net $100,000 this month, right? Make $100,000 this month. I am going to distribute as much money as I can from that company account to me or the owners, if there's multiple, if you guys have multiple owners or partners, I'm going to distribute as much as I can. So what I do is I hold back 25% in a profit account. I hold back 25% of the money that I make into a profit account and I distribute 75% of the money. Now, then what I do, and this is assuming that it's not the end of the quarter, by the way. So let's say January, February, not March. So for each month, I'm distributing 75%. And then I'm saying, do I want to, what do I want to do with this? What three things I just, the money just hits my account now. So it's $75,000. Let's say I'm hundred percent owner. $75,000 hits my account at this point. Now I got 75 grand. I'm like, all right, what do I need to do? Number one, do I need to invest back in my, so Caleb, I'll answer your question. Caleb asked about, doesn't that crush you in taxes distributing 75%? So I'll talk about some of you guys that pay taxes. Um, and what you should do for holdbacks. Um, it's, I don't have that problem because I'm a real estate investor, full-time real estate investor. I do buy and sell apartment buildings, get bonus depreciation. I haven't paid taxes in three years. And we'll talk about that on some of these. Uh, taxes are definitely gonna be a big topic for us inside this group, for sure. We'll talk about this. There'll be another training coming up on taxes, 100%. So uh, you can all do it too, by the way. You said, must be nice. Like it, it is nice. And I'm gonna show you guys how to do it. And, uh, and you don't have to do it my way. There's lots of different ways you can do it. So, so inside of this, we distribute 75% in this case, right? And so to me, I have some, I have some partners inside seven-figure flipping. So I have, some, I have some partners. 
So we're all responsible for our own taxes. So if I distribute all that money, then they're responsible for their own taxes. Okay, so each individual partner will then set aside whatever they need to for taxes and then do whatever they want with it. But for me, I'll take my, let's say I got $75,000 coming in. Now I'll say, do I want to invest in back in myself? Is there something that I have that I need? Do I need to grow somewhere? Do I have a problem? Do I, like, can I invest in myself? And I don't do that lightly. It's like, what's the one thing that I need to figure out right now? And where am I going to go? And do I have the capacity to do it? Do I have the capacity to implement it? Do I have the capacity to, to, to do all those things? So I'll invest back in myself. Does the company need an investment back in the, in the business to be able to make a return, like a massive return on my money? And when I do that, I compare that return to what I would get in the third place is the passive return. So usually my passive returns are somewhere around 15 to 18%. And that's just like expected. So it, a lot of times they're higher than that, but that's kind of on paper. I'm looking at like 15 to 18%. So from that, if I can make a multiple of like, 50% or 100% of my money back, investing back in the business, then what I'll do is I will put the money back into the business. So I'll say, hey, the business, I have $75,000 in my account. If the business wants $75,000 back to do some sort of investment, then I'm going to loan it back to the business. And it's going to be on the books as owed to me. Like $75,000 goes back into the business intentionally. So I see, hey, we're intentionally investing back in the business. You will look at things differently. You won't just leave money in there and just treat it like business money. Your business is rich and you're broke. This is like 99% of entrepreneurs. The business is doing well. People are like, oh, how, how's the business going? Business is doing great. Business did a million dollars last year. We netted $150,000. I don't have a dollar in my bank account. I can't even go on a trip. I can't travel. I can't, I can't even buy. If we had an emergency, I'd be kind of screwed. But the business seems fine. Like the business has some money, has some equity. It's all tied up in business. So I want you guys to figure out how to take it from the business and bring it over into your account. Because then, and only, like then you will decide whether you actually want to grow the business or not. Like, would you be okay cash flowing this business for a year, making three or $400,000? And, and you don't always have to grow and grow and grow and grow all the time. So there would be like every two years or so where I would just keep try to keep blackjack making as much money as I needed to get it back. <clears throat> Seven-figure flipping last year. Last year, we put so much effort and dumped money into these growth strategies. These like one-time expenses of things that I was hoping to like really grow and really like double the business. And, and we had like four or five of them. And they're not all finished, but some of them didn't pay off at all. Some of them were sunk costs or they broke even, or we made a little bit of money, but we lost some time and things like that. So, so now if I, if I was taking this money out and saying, hey, I'm going to intentionally invest back here. The other thing that I see happening for me is as I'm managing people like the, the social media side that we're doing and the... Um, the YouTube videos and the videography and the YouTube trainings and all of those things, when I'm paying for it personally, I'm looking at it closer, right? So if you're intentionally investing $50,000 back into your business for something specific, that's going to be a target that you're watching very, very closely. Does that make sense? So like I have a couple of people on staff that I pay personally right now and I'm, I watch it all the time. I'm watching it. Like I'm focused on that. Because that's my money. Like I am personally writing that check every single month right now, every, every couple of weeks. And so that's a tighter leash than the business that Blaze is managing in seven-figure flipping, the COO, 
and some of those staff and team members that he's managing that I'm a little bit looser with. Like I'm not, I'm not in their numbers, looking at their KPIs every single day. I'm not watching it as close because it's like, oh, it like it's the business. It's not me. Do you see the difference? Is this making sense to you guys? Like this is a huge aha for me. And when I taught this at the last event that we did in Mexico, people were like, man, like this analogy of the credit card of like understanding. And, and so it was game changing for them. What you guys got to figure out is how do I get my money from the business over to me personally? And so we can talk about that tactically next if you guys want to. The big thing for me is like, if you're making money in the business, like the business showed a $200,000 net profit last year and you don't know where that is, that, that's an issue. And that's usually what happens for entrepreneurs and business owners is like on paper, it says we made money, but I don't know where it is. It's usually tied up in inventory. It's usually tied up in equity in real estate or, um, or if you're um, a brick and mortar, it's tied up in some inventory. Like Sarah, you guys might be tied up in like, uh, it might be tied up in like coffee beans and bags and, and equipment and stuff like that. But all of that stuff is shown on your balance sheet. So you are building your balance sheet and then you look and see if those assets are depreciable assets, if they're, if, they're if they're appreciating assets and what they are. And so you're really intentionally like investing back in the business. So an example on my farm is recently I bought a pasta machine. I was like, I see this is the cost of a commercial pasta machine. It's a couple thousand dollars. How many boxes of noodles do I have to sell before I make the money back on that pasta machine? And then if I sell that pasta machine, how much can I sell it for in a year, two years, three years? So I know that at some point I'm actually making money off of what we bought. And this becomes an asset for me now. This tool becomes something that can create and basically print money in the form of pasta. And how long is it going to take for that to happen? And now I'm focused on the sales of that product. I'm like, man, we're not selling enough. We're not selling enough. I'm not marketing it. What's happening? What do we need to do? And so I'm constantly looking at that. Okay. So this is the, the big realization that I had recently. And it was me looking back from like eight years ago, kind of paying myself for the first time all the way to right now in the last like six months to eight months of actually having to like personally write checks for things that it's painful. Like it really is, is more painful to write the personal check than it is to write the business check. And so what you want to do, in my opinion, is you want to make it painful. Like you, to, to make it feel like it's your money, like truly your money by transferring it from the business over to yourself to then be very like, you're, you're making data-driven decisions on what you think is going to happen because you're gambling with your money, not with the business money. So, um, okay, I'm going to open it up for questions. This was the kind of concept that I wanted to present today because, uh, and, and maybe it sparked something in you. I'm more than happy. You guys can unmute. You guys can put it in the chat, um, whatever you want to do. But if you're like, hey, I, like, I, I feel like I do this. Um, could I get a little coaching here on something like how would I pull some money out in my specific business? Cause you guys all have different businesses. Um, like William might be going out and buying like a bunch of, um, equipment. Like he might say, Hey, I need another truck or I need something else. You know, um, I know we've got people in all different industries here, so, um, I can definitely take this concept and put it anywhere. Um, and this might be not, I mean, it is related, but it might not be. So when you say you write a check, like you wrote a check yourself to your um, course, why did you do that? You mean for the, like when I was buying this YouTube course? For yes. Me? Yeah, because like it's for me. So I have like a couple other companies, right? Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. but I didn't feel like, like this is me wanting to get better at YouTube to build my personal YouTube channel. So I'm flying my airplane around with other entrepreneurs and it just like, it didn't, the other businesses didn't see, didn't like, it, it will flow to them eventually, but I didn't feel like I should burden any of the companies that I had with a coaching program like that. That's for me personally, because I'm going to build my personal brand for me that I have some other like minority partners in some of those other companies. And it's it's not a burden that they should take on for me to join a YouTube program that's going to benefit me. But ultimately, you'll flow that for a write-off. Oh, I'll write I'll write off I'll okay. write it off for sure, hundred percent. Yeah, okay. and, and and even the people even the people that I'm paying, like the social media manager and the videographer and all those things that I have personally. So like I have a team to do that at Seven Figure Flipping, but I want to build my personal Instagram. I want to build my personal YouTube channel. I want to build my farm channel on YouTube. So like, these are all things that are going to benefit me. And so if I had an entity that I owned hundred percent, that was just me, I would, I might flow it through there. And so this was just like a realization that I had because of this, like, because I'm used to seven figure flipping paying for this stuff. But I was like, man, this is like, this is a personal videographer that, that they, they shouldn't be paying for the people that are doing video for my farm YouTube channel, you know, that, and, and this is also, these are also things that I'm making investments in today that are going to pay me years down the road, not right now. Oh yeah. So it's, and that's why it's a little bit more painful, right? You're like actually investing, you're investing in the future and it's, it's forcing me to focus on it, wanting to go fast, wanting to put effort there, wanting to really watch what's happening. Um, just like you would in a startup business, basically. So yeah, it's just, it just happens to be like, that's an example that I use to more tell the story of like how I found this. Uh, so you guys, Beth, if you know, if you own the business hundred percent and you were doing some YouTube for you and the business, then I would definitely have the business write the check. However, exactly what I'm talking about is like the feeling of the business writing the check versus you writing the check is very different. It's so much easier to just go, oh, it's $15,000. Like it's no big deal really. But like, no, I was like, my personal bank account is going to go down $15,000 like immediately. Like, I don't really like the feel of this. So I want to make sure this is really good. I want to make sure that I'll watch it. I want to make sure that it's valuable. I want to make sure that I have that I have long-term access to it, like all these things. I want to make sure I did a lot deeper underwriting than I would if Blaze came to me and he said, hey, we want to build our YouTube channel. We found a guy. We want to spend $15,000 on it. What do you think? And we're doing like $800,000 a month in revenue. I'm like, oh, 15,000 bucks. Like, sure. Like, go ahead. No big deal, right? 2% of our revenue for the month. Go ahead, spend the 15 grand. Big difference than me going, man, I haven't pulled out a lot of money in my company lately. My bank account's getting a little dry. I just invested in three multifamily buildings. I don't have any cash. I got to spend 15 grand. Mm, this better be really, really good. So that's the kind of mindset difference that happens between the two. Um, the other thing that I didn't specifically talk about in number three that I really love to do is I like to bring that money. We talked about $75,000 that comes into my bank account. And I, I use a strategy called burying it in my backyard. So I like to call it burying it in my backyard. And some of you are like, I oh, just write that down. Uh, so what I do is I just get rid of it. I get rid of it. So I take the $75,000 that I just brought in. And if I'm not investing in myself that month and I'm not investing back in my business that month, I go make that $75,000 disappear. So I go invest it in a cash flowing multifamily real estate deal. And it disappears for like five to seven years. So I, I invest in a, with a syndicator Ideally, my deals, if I have deals, I invest in my own deals. If I don't, I'll go out to my network and say, hey, who's got a deal that I can invest in? And then I, I put that $75,000 into a deal that's going to work while I'm sleeping. And I probably have 
I probably have a couple million dollars of money that's out there in syndications right now, probably like two, but I have like $6 million of equity in, in them. So it's just doubling and doubling and doubling and doubling. And recently the market's been so good that every two years it's doubling. And then, you know, we, we project like five to seven year double, but right now it's been doubling like two years. Then, I, then I'll bury, and I call it burying my backyard. Cause let's say I get a hundred thousand dollars and I go put a hundred, put it in, put it in a multifamily building that I'm not, I don't have to be active in it. Right. And then that syndicator calls me up like three, four years later and says, Hey, I need your wiring instructions and sends me back 177 K that just happened recently. I was like, Oh, I just like, somebody just dug up my hundred K and, and brought me back that hundred with 77 more. And then I just dumped it back into another one, 177 K put it all back. I just get rid of it again. And what that does is it forces me to keep keep going, keep driving, keep pulling more money out of the business because I'm constantly broke. I'm like constantly don't have a lot of cash personally, but I'm, but like I'm currently trying to grow my net worth really big. Like I want to grow my net worth. I don't want a bunch of dollars in my bank account. I don't want to just burn the money due to inflation. I want it to be out there. I have a hedge against inflation and making an investment while I sleep. And so that, and, and I love that asset class because it gives me, it gives me a lot of bonus depreciation in the first year. And that's where a lot of my tax write-offs come from is these multifamily syndications. So if I put hundred grand in there, I'm probably getting somewhere around 45 to $55,000 of write-off on my taxes. And being a, being a full-time real estate professional, I can write off my active income with the passive losses, which is great, really helpful. That's why I haven't paid taxes in a few years. So, uh, so I call it burying it in my backyard, but I'm constantly gonna do something with it. Like I don't want it just kind of sitting around. Like I don't want to have a bunch of cash all the time. I don't want to be flush with cash. I want to be, I want to have, I, and so I have a cash flowing business that's spitting off cash regularly and I'm anticipating that. So if I only have $100,000 in my personal bank account, I would then look at my business bank account and say, okay, it looks like next month, we're going to have a really good month. Like we're, we forecast and project what's going to happen. It looks like it's going to kick off another 100K. So I'm going to go bury this 100K in the backyard. If the next month, it looks like we might have a losing month or a break-even month, and it's not necessarily a growth month based on projections, I might keep that 100K in my bank account just in case there's a rainy day. Does that make sense to you guys? So I'm constantly looking forward and saying, okay, hey, I got loans paying off. I've got other things that are coming in. What kind of money is coming in and coming out personally so that I'm not ever in a position where I'm totally broke like people I know? And so that's the personal money management that we'll talk about as we go in a little bit more depth. I showed you guys my personal financial statement last time. Uh, it was like two calls ago, I think. I jumped into it was the QuickBooks call with Blaze. If you haven't seen that and you want to see like what I was making last year or 2021, my 2021 uh, P&L was done, but my 2022 is not done yet. So I just, I just shared it. Like I just showed you guys, it was like all the different uh, ways that I was making money, what was coming in, how much, those kind of things. Like you guys could kind of see some of it was from loans, some of it's from real estate investing, some of it's from different companies and how, how I got to like seven figures plus in, in annual income broken down. So all that stuff was like all the different places that I was investing in. Um, okay, Alex asked a question in chat and then I'll come to, if, if one of you guys have one, you see the little hand thing. If you put the hand up, it'll help. Uh, so, okay, Alex said, my business is lending money. So how would we evaluate what a healthy amount to keep on the business would be when paying ourselves? So um, I, have a few, I have a few questions before I can answer that. Um, are you lending your own money or are you, are, you pulling, are you borrowing other people's money and lending it out, like brokering some money and making a, a spread on it? 
um, all of that stuff would play into how I would manage a business like that, Alex. And then uh, I, I think, actually, go ahead. I was just going to say, we're actually doing both. So we are lending yeah. out our own capital and we're also brokering capital. And when you say we, there's a company or is there a partnership? Uh, it's, a, it's a business entity, but it's three people. Okay. So three people. So when you, when you have a, a couple different people, when it comes to this stuff, you have different risk tolerances. So the first step that I would take on something like that is to figure out what the risk tolerance is in my partners. So I want to know kind of if, if I was, let's say, let's say Patrick and I are, are flipping houses together and um, we have a business, a real estate business where we're 50, 50 partners and we're flipping houses. Um, when I see like house flippers, we have a ton of inventory all the time where we have forced equity in the inventory. So it's like future revenue that we're projecting that when we sell the house, we're going to have a certain amount of revenue. And so we have like built-in equity in the company. And so as we grow, we're growing. A lot of times you're dumping money back in for more inventory. And this would work for any business, by the way. This would work for any inventory type business, uh, brick and mortar business, um, service-based business, inventory type business. And so a dealer, brokers, like car, car lots, stuff like that. And so as we're growing the business, we have built-in equity inside the company. And I would always have an equity sheet, for, which is basically your balance sheet. Your balance sheet will show you. But in Patrick's, in my case, is we have like future projected value of this thing as we fix it up. So we have to say, this is what we would sell it for. This is how much profit we're expecting to realize at that time. And then figure out how to keep that. Because that doesn't really show up on a balance sheet. It's like, if we sold it, what did we buy it for? What's the cost of goods? What's all the work that we did to it? And if we sold it, it's kind of like a break even. We don't show like projected profit on the balance sheet usually. So I keep an equity sheet to say, how much equity do we have in the business today? If we sold everything on the shelves, we got rid of everything, liquidated it all, how much money would we get out of the company? And that's the, that's the equity that we have into it. And then our leverage is how much debt do we have against the company versus how much cash we could do if we sold everything. And that's, that's our leverage. So the amount of equity divided by the amount of debt that I have on the company gives me my percentage of leverage. And so Patrick might be like, hey, I'm fine at 20%. Like I'm cool having taken a bunch of debt and having 20% equity in the company as we grow it. And I'll be like, no, I got burned in 2008. I'm, I need to be 50%. And so then we get on the same page of like how much money we should have of equity left in the company and how much we can pull out and distribute to the partners. Does that make sense? So we might have a conversation be like, all right, why don't we just go 35? Like we both feel comfortable at 35. That's a good middle ground. And then we build out the business when we hit, we keep the, the balance sheet at 35% equity and we distribute everything else. So Alex, that, that would be the first step that I would do with my partners is just have a conversation with them and say, hey, what kind, like where do we feel comfortable in the marketplace? Like if somebody defaults on a loan or something like that, where, how are we? Like, do we want to have, what, what's our default rate? What does that look like? What's, how much, how much cash do we have? How much borrowed money do we have from other people that we're making spreads on? And then how do we want to pay out and distribute? ourselves. And maybe we take, you know, 50% of the interest and, and uh, origination fees and other fees that we roll in and, and keep it back in the company. And we distribute 50% of, of every deal that we do going forward. And every, every few months, maybe every quarter, we analyze the equity of the company and see how comfortable we are more like a bank, right? You're looking at the balance sheets. You're looking at those kind of things. You're looking at, you know, how, many, how what, what kind of loans you have out there right now. And then, and then I'm also projecting loan payoffs and things like that and other loans that we can expect to, to, to go out and really run it like that. So hopefully that answers your questions. 
uh, your question specifically, but to evaluate a healthy amount kept on the business is number one, what is your risk tolerance? So in Patrick, in my case, is if the market tanks by 20% and we have 20% equity, we have a break-even company now, we're not in debt and insolvent. If the market tanks by 40% and we have 20% debt to equity, we're screwed, right? We can't pay off all our debts, even if we sold the houses. So that's kind of what I look at. Now, if you have an info product business like I do, like real, like my real estate coaching business, it's info product. Like I really have no, I have no inventory. I can't sell anything. We are just, we're creating value based on information. Uh, Steven, same thing. He's got the same thing. He's got a, a Santa Claus business, right? He's going out and being Santa Claus. And so when he goes out in his Santa Claus business, it's how many bookings can I get, right? So it's, it's more like time and work and effort that it takes for marketing and sales and those kind of things and his time. And so then it's like, hey, if I want to grow my business, I really got to grow it via marketing. I might need to grow it by some people. I might need to, I might need to buy like a new Santa Claus outfit if Mrs. Claus can't make it in time. You know, all of that stuff, right? Maybe Mrs. Claus needs a new, needs a new Mrs. Claus get up and some jewelry or something. So, um, so you got to kind of structure that business based on how much do I want to dump back in the business and how much do I want to suck out? But the inf I like the info the, on the info business side where it's cash flowing and we can anticipate it. And then I can just pull out, I can pull money out and put it in my, in my account because I don't need to grow the inventory. You know, I'm usually just investing back in that business to say, I want to grow in marketing. I want to hire somebody else. We want, we got to have to grow our payroll or we're going to have to, we want to go to a different event site that's going to be more expensive. Or we're going to invest back into a speaker or some training or something like that for our clients. So hopefully all this is making sense for you guys. And, and if you guys have an individual business that you want me to talk about or, or give an example from, I'm, I'm happy to do that too. Okay, Alex said it helped a lot. Good. Next question. Yeah, Patrick. Yeah, Bill, uh, as far as considerations, like when you're loaning yourself money, like my flipping business, I own 100%. So as far as the structure of that is a little less important, but like my flooring company, 50-50 partnership and loaning uh, and doing loans back out to that type of business. Do you have any recommendations on how to structure that? Yeah, so first of all, if you, like your flipping business, even though you own 100% of it, like I would always loan the money to the business. It's a wash. Like if you loan mm -hmm. it at 10% or 12%, it's gonna be a wash. So you'll get a 12% write off and you'll have to pay taxes on 12%. Like it's, it's kind of a wash. Um, in the flooring business, so usually this is called like a capital call. So if you weren't loaning the money back, like you and your partner should get on the same page to be like, look, hey, you, and, and the conversation becomes, I want to distribute money to us. Like it's the same conversation. It's the credit card conversation of like, I, I kind of feel like we're a little loose with our spending inside the business. We're reinvesting very easily. We're making some bad decisions potentially, or this is a strategy that we could use to, to make a little bit better decisions inside of our business of where we allocate growth and funds and things like that. Not just, let's just dump it all back in forever. And five years from now, we hope the market doesn't tank or our business doesn't fail. Because that's really it. It's like a lottery ticket. Like we're like building businesses as five-year lottery tickets, it seems like as entrepreneurs. And like, oh, I'll get paid eventually. Like eventually I'll realize the million dollars of profit that I have in my business. And, and a lot of times what happens, market turns, something shifts, something happens, and we make a wrong turn and we have no money. And then we just spent four years growing something that did nothing. So what I would do with my partner is I'd get on the same page and say, this is what I want to do. And let's talk about what this would look like. And then let's distribute cash at a point where maybe it's a little bit uncomfortable for the business. And we have to figure out a new way 
to grow the company. And it's not just like growing on, um, or we're growing it on, you know, 25 or 40 or 50% of, of our profitability of what's coming in. And then we got to figure out a new way to, to kind of scale it and grow it fast, where it's not just dumping cash and lighting cash on fire. Because usually it's like a one-to-one conversion on a lot of this stuff. Like I noticed a lot of the stuff that we invested in last year, almost like it was a break-even thing. Blaze is shaking his head. Yeah, it was like break-even, maybe made like five grand on like a $70,000 investment. It's like, what are we doing? Like that, that money could be spent such better ways. Um, and so, so then what I would do with my partners, I'd pull it, we both pull it out, right? Because when you distribute, you got to distribute evenly across the board for all partners. So you can't just like, Patrick's going to take a distribution and then your partner's going to leave it in and he's taking, like distribute 50-50. Like, so maybe we make 50 grand in a month and Patrick get 25 and your partner gets 25. And then if you guys are going to invest it back in, you work it out however you guys see fit. But what I would recommend is you also agree that you will invest back in the business at equal shares. So if we get pull out 25 and then we both agree that we want to invest the 50 back in the business, then we invest it back in the business. And I, I don't think it needs to be on debt. Like it doesn't have to be necessarily on debt, but it's just, it's the concept. It's like the mental concept of actually like transferring it to your bank account and then going, yeah, I'll transfer it back. Like just that, just that is like, once it hits my account, I'm like, Ooh, this, this is like sacred money. Now this money gets treated different. Now this is very different. This is like King Solomon money at this point. Like, it's like, this isn't, this is here. And like, I'm making different decisions when I'm deciding to invest it back. And it's, it's just that mental like idea. I'm telling you when it's got your name next to it, it's just, you treat it a little bit differently. And so, uh, so then I, I think like if you guys are going to invest and then you could, you could invest it back in, in the company. But then if I would, if you were investing it back and your partner wasn't, I would be a debt and I would, it would be debt. Like I would put interest on it for sure. I would, I would, it would say, this is, I'm intentionally investing this back in. I'm putting interest on this. So, because like, so Adam Whitney and I are partners in blackjack now. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if he needs money, if he wants money for a deal, like I'm a lender but they're paying my rates. Like they don't get like special rates. They're getting two and 12 and they're making monthly right. payments. And so he, he's like, I don't really want to use your money. I'm not like giving them a deal because I'm a partner. Like, mm-hmm. no, if you want to use my money, like go out and find 8% money. You know, you could, you could do that. Or if you need it, just call me and, I, and I'll give it to you. Like, I, know, I know he's a good steward of it and it'll be a good deal. Yeah. So, That's kind so of the that, same situation we're in too, because with my, I, I'm less active in that business but as far as be, being able to have the capital, I can just, I can if I want to, but I can make a lot more money actively in the flipping business at the same time, but it's more passive money at the same time too, that I could, you know, be bringing up on the debt. So trying to balance that out, um, trying to figure out how, how that balance is the best. Yeah. And I mean, I would just get on the same page with my partner. The other thing that I would do is, uh, is, is you should also consider what your goals are with that business. And if it is, let's, let's just dump it back in. Let's grow it really fast. And then we, we have a plan for nine to 12 months from now where we'll be like cash flowing like crazy. Then maybe it is worth just keep dumping it back in. Like I told you for a year and a half, I just, I kept, I kept all the money in blackjack. I just kept dumping it back in and I could grow mm-hmm. faster than everybody else. Cause I didn't have to pay myself. And so the people ask me, why'd you grow? How'd you grow so fast? Well, I mean, I, I put a, I put all the money back in the business, but uh, you, I, I plateaued a little bit after a year and a half, two years, because I sucked all the money back out. And I wasn't, you know, and so it was just on paper, but I was, I was tracking it. So what happens a lot of times is the end of the year comes business makes $400,000. 
and you don't distribute anything to the owners. And as in a partnership, next thing you know, you get a K-1 that shows that you made $200,000. It didn't pay you any money and you got to pay taxes on 200 grand. And that's when entrepreneurs are like, what's happening here? Like I'm, I'm actually paying more money than I'm making. And I have this thing that says it's an asset, but all it's doing is rip, is sucking my, my bank account dry in taxes and, and, and expenses. And so that's where I want you guys to get really clear. Like if, because this is what I say, say to Blaze and like say the seven-figure flipping crew is like, I got to pay a lot of taxes on this money. Like they don't pay taxes. I pay taxes. Like the K-1 comes to me and then I get a huge tax bill. And I, so I got to offset, you know, last year, like $600,000 of income. So if I'm not sucking it out, I'm, I can't pay my taxes on $600,000 of income. Like I got to figure out how to offset 600 grand of, of income to me. That's on top of like distributions and, and W-2 income and stuff like that, that you guys might have. So uh, as a partner, I'd get on the same page. You guys are paying taxes on it. I'd figure out. And if I, if you were lending it back, just you, I'd, I'd, I'd put interest on it. Yeah. And then, and then, awesome, then, then that's a different dis, dis, uh, discussion, right? Then they're like, oh, you want me to pay 15% interest on 50 grand? I can't, the business can't afford that. They're like, all right, let's go get an SBA loan then. And now you got 50K in your bank account and you're getting an SBA loan for the company at you know, 7%. And you just found the solution because you're not self-funding the growth of the company with your own uh, dividends and distributions that you should have. Perfect, thanks. Yeah. Uh, Cindy said, I know you mentioned on social, social media how you think many people focus too much of their time on passive income versus active income. I think that may be part of my problem. Can you expand your thoughts around this perspective? Um, yeah, Cindy. So um, she, uh, you're talking about like um, a, a lot of times, like I, I, I kind of talked more about like cutting expenses versus growing active income. But um, I, this was my problem. I was like investing in rental properties and I was dumping like all my money in there. And I was kind of like slow growth. So I was dumping like 20% down payment, getting conventional loans, things like that, before I realized that you could have, you could like raise private money and stuff like that. But I think all business owners, so here's the problem. Each of you have a unique skill set and a unique business, and you're really, really good at it. I hope. Like, I hope you're really good at it. And I hope you're making money. And, and you have, that's like your, the thing that you love to do, the thing that um, you're, you're incredibly passionate about it, you're good at it, and it has the ability to make you money like a lot of money. And so if people a lot of times get unfocused from going out and making a bunch of active income, I want people to scale their active income and then go buy passive income. So a lot of times people are like, my, my skill set is creative, creating passive income. It's not like for me, I want to scale my active income right now. I'm in like the prime earning years of my life. So I want to make as much money as possible and go bury it in my backyard. So like the passive income is available to, to all of us at, at scale. Like I'm raising money right now for a real estate deal that on average, if, if we hit our numbers in five years, should make 18% return year over year for people. So like that's available to, to people, to you. You don't need to, to have a skill set to have that available to you. If you have, but what you need to have is you need to have cash to have that available to you. So if you can scale your active income and scale your cash, and what's funny is when I go out and raise for these, these deals, like I'm, I'm talking to entrepreneurs that are in like high-level masterminds of mine, and like they don't have any money. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have any money? Oh, well, we're like investing in growth in the business and these kinds of things. Like, Me too. Like I am too, but I have money. Like I'm, I put money in every single deal. Like 
I create cash and I bury it in my backyard. And that's why, like, when you look at net worth versus actual, like, value that's being created, it's very different. When you see people that have big net worths, they're putting their money in, it's working when they're sleeping. So what I want to do is I want to scale my active income. So that means, like, I just, I just did a reel recently. It was like, go out and, like, ask for a raise. Go out and figure out how you can scale your active income. Like, what are you doing right now? Like, if you have a full-time job and you have a side hustle, could you quit your full-time job and go all in on your side hustle and make way more money actively than what you're making right now on your W-2 income? Then like, what's stopping you from quitting your W-2 job and just going all in on your active income? And just scale that massively and, and make three, $400,000 and then go bury it in the backyard and buy passive income. So like right now, the reason why I don't buy single family rental properties right now and like short-term rentals and stuff is because I'm trying, I'm, I, I want to amass like 10, 20, $30 million in just cash and just go make 8% a year. I mean, can you imagine if you have $10 million in cash and you're making 8% a year, like I can live off of $800,000 a year. I don't know about some of you guys, but I could live off of $800,000 a year because that's doing nothing. Like I don't actually have to do anything at 8%. I know millions of people that would borrow money from me at 8%. Millions of people. Like I could put $10 million to work in five seconds in my community at 8%. It's crazy. Now 10%, I'm making a million a year. I could live off a million dollars a year. At 20 million, that's $2 million a year. So that's my goal right now is to amass a massive amount of cash to go buy passive income. Because the circles that I run in, I can buy passive income whenever I want. I know enough about real estate to just go buy passive income. I don't need to buy onesie twosie houses right now. I need to scale my active income. I need to make a million dollars a year, $2 million a year, $3 million, $5 million a year. So I can amass this bankroll to go buy passive income when I feel like take, taking a break and slowing down. And so I would say scale your, scale your ability, scale your mindset, scale your value and scale your active income. Because right now, like, there's people that are spending the same amount of time that you are, that are not smarter than you, that are making way more money than you in, in their active income. And they're just, they're not working harder. They're probably working smarter than you and less than you, but they're doing something that has a huge value to the marketplace that can make a lot of active income. So that, that's my perspective, Cindy. I hope I, I explained it well, and, and maybe that creates follow-up yes Christi christina go ahead anything else cindy on that no that's good stuff thank you okay um christina you have your hand up hi yes um well i that resonated with me i do have two things that you touched that is happening to me right now number one is the um business we don't take money for the business. We don't pay ourselves. Uh, I have a, well, my husband is the main thing on that business, the landscaping business. And last year we made $200,000 and <laughs> we really don't know where the money is. Um, yeah, you know, so this year we want to make sure we at least keep like the third part of that money. and we are projecting we are going to make more than that. So, um, but it's still the same problem. Uh, when we do our estimates, we separate the profit, but then the profit gets eaten somewhere <laughs> um, when the time 
goes by because I guess the business has uh, some equipment payments and some stuff. So everything gets taken from the business account. So I don't know how to manage that. That's my, my biggest problem. Right yeah, I do. the first thing that you need to do is you need to get a good handle on where that money's going. Like yeah. if the PL is showing $200,000 a year, you should be like, okay, we put 50 into, we bought like three new machines. You know, we got by, we bought trailers, we bought these kind of things, we bought a new truck. It's section 179 deduction for us on our taxes. It was great, but we had to buy a $70,000 truck and you know where all $200,000 is going. So like that's step one is to do a little forensic accounting to try to figure out what's happening there. And then, and then intentionally, like when you make profit, again, put it in your bank account and then you'll be like, do we really need the new truck or could we buy the used truck? Like, do we really need another mower? Do we really need these things? Like, is it going to make us more money? Because now it's in your bank account and you're going, all right, well, hey, we got to buy this $70,000 Raptor now instead of the $25,000 used GMC 2500 or something, you know, and, and you're starting to make a little bit different decisions based on the business. Like, do we really need to wrap that truck? You know, what do we need to do? And where's all the money going? And then, then you can figure out, okay, well, yeah, we do. Like at each year, we need to take about 25% of our profit and reinvest back into equipment. That's, that's the, the business that you're in is depreciable assets that have to be replaced over time in landscaping. And then, and then what it might do is it might, it might point you to the direction of maybe we should cut less grass and do more hardscaping. Or maybe we should you know, cut less grass and do more, um, more mulching and more weeding or more, more like less big, heavy equipment because that's, that's, that's hurting our business. And look at it in a holistic uh, uh, side of things on the landscaping business piece. And so, yeah, and, and pulling that money out is really, really important. Okay, yeah. On the second part that you mentioned about increasing the active income, I have a W2 job that doesn't pay that much. I know. <laughs> it actually takes my whole day and I'm broke all the time. But I have the side hustles that keep me alive, you know, and the business also. So I was, I, I don't know how to switch. Like, for example, okay, I sell one of my duplexes and maybe with that money, I go all in into either active real estate, like no, you know, not rentals, but maybe flipping or wholesaling. I, I haven't found a way to make the switch. That's my issue right now. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the first thing that I would say is um, if you, if you love what you do and you're doing it because you really love it and it's amazing and it, you absolutely love it, then there's a, there's something there to think about. If you're not, then like, does your skill set lend itself to some doing like just switching careers or, or, or locations or to a new job that's going to pay you way more money? Like, have you ever like looked out in the marketplace and be like, Hey, you know what? I could actually, if I make $80,000 a year, there's somebody out hiring for my exact position right now for 125,000 and very easily. Now you're stepping up your active income, but the other piece is just like burning the boats. Like at some point you just have to like have the confidence in yourself to just be like, you know what? I'm going to pull this ejection handle real quick and let's see what happens. Here's the worst thing that can happen, Christina. The, the next question I would ask is, what is the likelihood that you will be hired back in a similar position at, at or above the salary that you're making right now in today's job marketplace? And if it's high, then just quit. Try the active thing. If you hate it after three months, go back to work. Like, it's not the end of the world. Like, it's really not. It's the thing. We're just so scared to do this. I, I quit last year. 
because of a toxic environment, I was in my job for six years. It took me one month to have two offers. So yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, just just quit just quit the job. You can sell the duplex if you want. If you want, you need a little bit of cushion to about it, yeah. but just just quit the job and you go find another one. It, like jobs are jobs are easy to find. Thank you. Especially right now. Especially right now. Like everybody's hiring. It's it's hard. We're 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 out looking for multiple positions. It's really hard to find somebody who's really good. If you if you're really good, yeah, no problem. All right, let me answer a couple of these questions and then uh, and then we'll we'll cut it. Let's see. Uh, what if your business doesn't really have overhead? How do you decide what stays in the business and what you move over to your personal account? So that that's the best part. Like if uh, Nikki, if your business doesn't have a lot of overhead, um, it's kind of like seven figure flipping. I have a lot of overhead, but um, depending on like what I do is again, I'll project for next month. Like, do am I going to make money next month? Um, and about how much do I think is going to come in? What kind of expenses do I have? Do I need to grow or do I not need to grow? So like, I just treat that as a cash flowing asset at that point. So like, if I'm making money, I don't have a lot of overhead. Now I want to distribute that money to myself. Like I want to put it in my account and go do something with it. Now, it, like if I don't have a lot of overhead because I'm a new business, uh, I'm, I'm in the process of scaling. Maybe I might be two or three months out. Then what I do want to do is I want to make sure I don't suck all of the money out of my operating account to kind of hamstring the company and then go bury all that money in the backyard and then be kind of stuck when I want the company to grow or need the company to grow. So what I would recommend is you figure out a healthy uh, balance. So maybe at the beginning, so what I didn't kind of finish the conversation about seven figure flipping. So we put 25% in the profit account, right? So that's set aside. And then we just will distribute. And then every quarter, that profit account will be adding up, right? So we do that in January, we do that in February. And then in March, I might have $100,000 in the profit account. And then I'll look at the next month and say, what's the next month going to look like? Do I need a cushion? No? All right, I'm distributing all the profit account money. Again, at the end of three months. Or I'm saying, hey, you know what? Let's keep 25% of it. Let's keep 25K in there, distribute an extra 75K. And so I'm just kind of managing how much money is set aside. But I just don't like setting money aside for a long period of time. Like you guys, you guys heard it when we did the uh, evaluation with Eric Weaver. He's making like, what was it, Blaze? 50K? It's 50K on that deal, right? It was like, yeah, right about there. I think it was 45 after the yeah. uh, fee. Like 45K net after his $5,000 of like, so 50K uh, wholesale fee, $5,000 of expenses to get, 45K. And he wants to hold like a bunch of money back in a tax account that, that is going to sit there until next year, next year, April 15th, or even better yet, October of 2024. $7,500. Like, bucks. I'm like, man, I'm not putting 7,500 bucks in some bank account for over a year. I'm going to go use that to grow my business, but I know that I might need to pay that as we get closer when I'm three months, four months out from taxes. So I'm, I'm more of somebody who I don't like to let money just sit on the sideline because I know that it's eroding due to inflation. I know it's just hurting me, but I mean, we will keep $300,000 in my operating account for seven figure flipping. Like that's just a lot of money just sitting there but it's a big business. We might have, you know, we have like uh, to almost $2 million in payroll in a year. You know, we've got, we've got a lot of money going in and out each month. So I need to have a cushion. So for you, um, Nikki, it's kind of like, Hey, depending on how much money um, you think you're going to need next month or the month after that, if it's none, then distribute that money to yourself. Now here's the deal. Don't go buy really nice handbags. Don't go up on vacation. Don't, don't spend it on consumer type things. Figure out what you're going to do with that. But what it does is it makes you make decisions from a very powerful position when you as the entrepreneur and business owner have your life together and have your money right. 
And when you get your money right and you feel good, like Christina, I see you shaking your head. Like if your money was good, you'd be making really good decisions. When our money gets kind of like, we get kind of like pushed up against the wall. We start fighting and we, we make bad decisions. We make emotionally driven decisions instead of really factual data-driven decisions in, in, our, in our, basically our reinvestments back in our business and our time. And so we start scrambling for like, we'll do a bad deal. We'll make a mistake. And we do that when we're in a position of weakness. We're in a position of power and it's like, I got, I got money. Like, I actually don't need this deal. I, I don't need to do this. I don't need to say yes to this. I'm, I'm not scrambling all the time. It's a good position. So <laughs> she said that, no handbags. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, I'd say, uh, I'd say move that money over the personal account. And especially when you're a new business or you're, you're a solopreneur or you're a, you know, a one woman or one man show, um, you can always just invest it back in the business. But like when, like just the mindset is like, when it's in my account, it's very different than what's in the business bank account. So um, I would definitely, I would hold some back in an operating account there. So you've got a little bit of uh, a little bit of delta if you want to reinvest, but then I would distribute the majority of it back to myself. For me, um, okay. Stephen said, Bill, once you get to two million dollars of your passive income, your family may be able to move to Williamson County. <laughs> oh, that's good. Hey, our house is in Williamson County. Our farm is in Murray County, so we got the best of both worlds. The Murray County Williamson County line runs right through the horse pasture of our farm. Um, Okay. Uh, Christina said today was gold. Good. I'm, I'm thankful that you guys were here. I love doing this. This is like, this is my favorite thing to talk about. And like, I, I just, I still can't believe that we, uh, we do this for 47 bucks a month. So um, tell your friends, I would love to have more entrepreneurs in here, different businesses, different perspectives. It, it would be really great. So um, if you guys really love it, the best thing that you can do to say thanks is to just share, share it, like share the profitpilots.com. Um, on social media, or if you have an email list or something like that, I would love that with your community. I want to keep doing this. Blaze and I are really enjoying it. We're going to start, um, we're building out a couple like um, assets and things like that for it. So, um, okay. Thank you guys. I went a little bit over. I apologize for going over uh, my hour, but um, I want to make sure that you guys get answered all your questions. And if you guys have any other questions, you can drop them in the Facebook group. Blaze and I are always, uh, Blaze will be in there a lot more than me, but um, I'm excited. Oh, uh, before you go next week, we have a, um, a drawing again right now. So uh, in the next couple of days, we'll do the drawing for who wins the, um, the 100K consult that we do. So we try to find 100K in your business or cut 100K in expenses. But we basically, we do these for other entrepreneurs. They cost $10,000 and we like guarantee them that we'll find $100,000 of growth for them or $100,000 in revenue or they don't pay. So uh, we call it our 100K consult. It's a virtual consult, like two call consult. And we do these like in this membership, somebody wins that every single month for free. So you have to apply for it. There's a, there's a form that you can fill out for an application. And if you filled out an application for last month, I want you to do it again, because now you've seen it. You've kind of seen what we did last month. It might change your answers or responses a little bit. And we just want you guys to keep like entering the drawing. The, the only thing is, I talked about this last time, you got to be willing to openly share and us go through your books. Um, I'll tell you, it'd be massively beneficial. There will be other people that get to watch it. You guys will get to watch the other um, uh, the other companies that have gone through it in the in the past. So we had Eric Weaver go through. He was our first winner. He had a wholesaling business. It was a pretty new business. So I would love it for some of you guys that have a more seasoned business. You have your um, QuickBooks accounts, things like that. I'd love to analyze uh, one of those. So we see like a, a difference between like a new business and somebody who's a little bit more uh, further along. So um you definitely made over a hundred thousand for my business. So Beth, and that was just on stage for like a few minutes in the event. Like 
this two day is like, this is the deep dive that we talked about that we were doing um, when you were at the event, the in-person one, we charge hundred K for, and the, the virtual one is 10 K. So um, you guys apply, um, you could win for this month and then we'll do the first call next week. So next week will be the um, exploratory call that we do, which is streamed. So next week is the exploratory call that we do one-on-one -on -one with that entrepreneur. They'll stream it, uh, Blaze will do that. And then um, the week after that, Blaze has got a training for you guys. And then the following week, so week three, will be our deep dive like analysis and feedback. If you didn't see Eric's, that is very beneficial. I really tried to coach him and pour into him on the strategy, like big picture business stuff and business decisions that he was doing that are universal regardless of what industry you're in, whether it's real estate or anything else. So um, check that out. And then the week after that, we'll do another training and Q&A like this. So that's kind of what, what we're doing. Two weeks of the month is uh, the consult where you guys get to kind of look over the shoulder and see another business and you'll learn something about yours for sure. And then the other two weeks, um, some training and Q&A. So uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm glad you guys are here. It's really cool that you uh, showed up and hung out with us. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad I got to spend time with you guys. So uh, have a great day and we'll see you next week. Bye everybody.